regardless of what happens this year, this is it for Armando Baycott. And honestly, this is it. It's over. There is no coming back. There is no more COVID year. So the question is, can Armando Baycott return to form from two years ago? Or hey, even better. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, what's up? It's October 26th, Thursday, 2023. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I am your host, Isaac Shade. Joining me as he does every week is our guy, Coach Bill Robinson, the head coach of the Milligan University Buffaloes, getting very close to their season starting as well. We want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or watch of the day to get your best Tar Heels content out there. You everydayers, welcome in. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free right now at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. Coming up on the show today, we're going to have story time as we always do with Coach, although I guess last week we got bumped out of story time, Coach. We got long-winded, so we got to bring it hard today. And then we're going to look at, hey, what do you do when the unexpected happens right before the season and you lose a player for one reason or another? But before we get to all that, I want to talk about Armando Baycott. Um, this week was named uh, an AP First Team All-American, and people are expecting massive things out of him this year. Obviously, R.J. Davis and the rest of the team as well. But in so many ways, the big man that's already had all these big accolades in his career is the one that you really rely on to anchor your team. Coach Davis talked about that earlier this week on John Rothstein's podcast, how he expects massive things out of Mondo this year, how he needs to dominate. So coach, here's my initial question, and then we can get into deeper things from there, but can Armando Baycott return to his 2021-22 form or hey, even get better than that. Do you see that as a possibility this upcoming season? Yeah, I think so. And uh, I think the interesting wording from Coach Davis was required to dominate. Yeah. yeah. What it's expected. And I think part of that is system stuff. They're going to ask him to, to run the floor more. They're going to pitch it ahead to him. They're going to, you know, throw it to him more. I think they're, they're looking for that too. Um, it, it comes down to those, those one, two skills. I think, you know, he, mm. he 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 had some some drop off on the big the big stats last year with rebounding and, and blocks, but I think the domination is comes from motivation. And I think if if coach is demanding it up, and he is going to demand it of him, um, he's going to get the minutes. He's going to have the right to be able. He's going to have going back to last week. He's going to have the green light to be able to do what he wants to offensively. It's time to demand him to to, to dominate, and uh, I expect him to have a great year. Interesting. Yeah, that uh, the worded, the verbiage used by Coach Davis there, I'm with you. That was really interesting. And I think, Coach, I, th I think the prevailing assumption is he's been like not remotely close or last year he wasn't remotely close to where he was his junior year. His scoring only dipped by four tenths of a point last year from 16.3 down to 15.9. I, you know, I think that comes up, although I think there's better scoring to go around with the team this year. So um, I, I do think it moves up. But yeah, as you said, the bigger drop off was in rebounding and, and blocks. Rebounding was down from 13.1 down to 10.4. Uh, like 
what what are the things, Coach, that could contribute to that? You talked about those want-tos. Uh, you had some injury concerns last year. What what all sorts of things do you think factored into that downturn last year? Yeah, being on the outside, we can come up with all kinds of scenarios of why. Um, so I'll try because that's what we're here for. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, they are effort skills and they're one-two skills. Um, there's a lot of talk about did guys just get complacent after making that big run and, and we just kind of expected everything to be easy? Did, did Armando expect things just to be easy and give it to him? He didn't have to fight for him the way he did the year before. That's one theory. Um, another theory is, you know, he's thinking, well, we I'm going to play a ton of minutes. I can't go over the back for this guy going for this rebound because if I get another foul, I'm going to sit for a little while. Or if I go to try to block that shot, you know, I may get a hand instead of an arm instead of the ball. And, and now I got to go sit. You know, those are the type of things. Am I thinking about it? Those type uh, of scenarios and trying to get into his mind a little bit and be thinking what he's what he's been thinking. But um, is it matchups? You know, were the matchups just different this year compared to, to last year? Is it, is it just because, uh, you know, the. Maybe, you know, I didn't get a chance to dominate that that six, eight guy because all of a sudden I'm, I'm against a seven, two guy. You know, I don't think that's it as much. Um, I think it had to do with the very first thing. I think he just um, the effort wasn't there. It wasn't the same. Not that he, he didn't play hard. I just don't think it was at that high peak level. And that's what coach is demanding of him this year to get back to that high intensity. And here's what's interesting. While you were talking, I, I dug a little deeper because I realized I hadn't thought about this angle of it. Here's what's really interesting to me, Coach Rob. You ready for this? His offensive rebounding numbers last year were identical to his junior year. 4.2 offensive rebounds a game his junior and senior years. The drop was specifically in defensive rebounding down. It was 8.9 the year before down to 6.3 last year. So it's specifically on the defensive end. And that would mm -hmm. indicate to me a lot of what, what you said there, like, with the offensive rebounding, it's it's positioning, it's luck of the bounce sometimes, you know, some of that. But uh, that that's even more curious to me that it's on the defensive end. Knowing that specificity, does that lend any other nuance of it to you? I'll give you one thing about defensive rebounding now compared to what it was, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Shots are longer. The rebounding's different. But when he boxes somebody out, a lot of times – I also talk about defensive transition philosophy has changed a bunch um, where they used to have maybe three or four guys going to the glass sometimes. And you look at the NBA, they'll have times where there's nobody going to the glass. So if you do have one guy box out, the one guy who's there, that the guards swoop in and grab the rebound and go. Um, so I think that has part of it to do uh, with that whole situation. But he's got to go want the, the, the basketball. He's got to box out that guy. He's got to knock RJ and everybody out of the way to go get that. And those are the motivation uh, that I think coach is trying to get him to understand is, yeah, that's great that you're, you're doing the little thing. You got to go get it. Go finish the possession yourself. Don't wait for somebody else to do it. Oh, and you know, RJ's trying to swoop in there to get those rebounds. He's the best rebounding little man we've seen in a minute. That's awesome. Yeah. No um, so coach, as we think then, let, let's make the turn to this year. What are the types of things uh, specifically that we can watch for that could change for Armando kind of across the board to have a dominant fifth year of college. And, and before, I guess I want to ask you a bigger picture question about it before I ask that is as you see your own players or, or other players that you're around, knowing that this is it, there is no more coming back. What, what does the sense of urgency that accompanies that bring with it that maybe he didn't have last year or maybe some of the want to wasn't as high level as it could have been. 
Yeah, I had a coach one time tell me, you know, he never had a good year with seniors because they're always thinking about what's next. They're thinking mm-hmm. about jobs or life or marriage or whatever. And by the time the seniors got there, so I think the focus comes from the coaching staff. Can they keep him in the moment? Stop thinking about next year. Stop thinking about Final Four. Let's stop thinking about conference play. Let's talk about today. Let's talk about what we can do right now, possession by possession. And I think you'll see him be more aggressive in the post. I think they're going to throw him the ball a bunch more. You're going to see double teams. You're going to see a lot of different maybe, um, you know, design defenses just to get the ball out of his hand quickly. Yeah. Um, it I think won't just be Virginia doubling down. He'll right. have to do that a lot more. Yep. We may see some junk defenses. We may see some teams, you know, doing some some crazy stuff just to be able to get them out of the rhythm. That's what I would do. And we've talked about that some too. But yeah. I'd like to see Armando get it, get rid of it, get it right back. And and we have that emphasis on, on being able to, to get him involved, especially early in the games. The guys will realize that will open up everything for everybody else. If he's dominant in the post, guys are going to get great shots on the perimeter. How big a deal is it? Looking at two years ago when his numbers were higher, the fact that that was Brady Manick, a more perimeter-oriented four, versus last year with Pete Nance, who was a more interior-oriented uh, four, and then thinking ahead to this year, where we expect, you know, not not the shooters from a capability standpoint that Brady Manick was playing the four, but when you look at Harrison Ingram, Jalen Withers, and Zayden Hyde, they project to all be more perimeter-oriented fours. Does that, in and of itself, help Mondo's individual numbers come back up? Yeah, I think there's two aspects there. You got guys who can make shots from out there, drawing that defense back out. You also got some guys there who can slash a little bit. You know, Jalen Willis can get to the rim. You now Harrison can get to the rim. They do it different ways. One's more explosive, one's kind of more crafty. But then they're going to draw Armando's guy. Then the dump down, the little bounce pass, the little lob. Um, you know, those guys are going to share the basketball with him. Armando's got to be the guy. He's got to demand the basketball. And I think those those issues are going to be uh, really interesting to see how they all work together. But I, I I mean, he's going to get his shots. He's going to get his touches. And I think he's going to have a great year. Yeah. And Pac and I talked about this yesterday, but with having, you know, two legitimate guys behind him with Jalen Washington and James Aconquo, you can go harder for those minutes you're in, be more efficient, do it get your breather and then come right back in and play hard for another stretch and then come right back out. So coach Rob and I are in agreement on this. We expect a massive final year from Armando Baycott helping. Uh, I don't think he has to put the team on his shoulders, but he is going to carry a heavy burden and a heavy weight. And we'll see what that is. Now, this time of year in the lead up to the college basketball season, just a week and a half or so away at this point, the unexpected hits basketball teams hard. Injuries, waivers being denied, legal trouble. Hello, Taco Bell and Mackenzie Mbaka. What's up? Uh, how on earth do, does a coach and a team handle those situations, keep the locker room together, and move forward? Well, it's a good thing we got Coach Rob here with us to help us figure out the answer to that question. We'll talk about it in just a second, right after I tell you that today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by Prize Picks. PrizePix offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts, <clears throat> like Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, PrizePix discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide you even more value. They've also got this thing I love called the Reboot Policy, in which your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform that has that injury insurance. And I love how cre- crazy easy it is to play in their format. You pick two or more players across any sport, 
and you look at the projected stat that's given, and then you just pick whether they're going to get more or less than that projection. For Tuesday, for example, earlier this week, you could have grabbed Austin Reeves of the Lakers for 15 and a half points. Wild stuff there. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. This episode is also brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain you got access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs, which helps you find those right people for your team, both faster and for free. After that, it's super easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs, and then you just add it to your job title and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your profile so people know that you're hiring. After that, use simple tools like screening questions to make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skill set and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and then ultimately hire. This is why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free right now at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Again, that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, coach, lots, lots going on this time of year where teams are trying to figure out, okay, this is who we think our team is coming into the season. But then all of a sudden, something happens and you got to change that calculus. Um, and so I want to ask you, and, and maybe you handle it similarly in any of these scenarios, but I'd like to, to look at it in a couple different ways. Let's start with like an injury to a top player. This happened recently for Jackson State. You, you hate this. They're returning their top, their, their five starters from last year and adding an Ole Miss transfer, Deshaun Ruffin, who projected to be a starter probably like I had him when, when we did our um, SWAC conference preview, I said he would have been my conference preseason player of the year were it not for what's unfortunately now we know a full ACL, ACL tear. You hate it. It means he's out. So coach, you're in the weeks leading up to a season and you have something like this happen. What on earth do you do? Yeah, it's tough. And I feel terrible for coach Mo Williams there. I mean, he had, he's still got a great team and he, they're going to be, be That's good, right. uh, but this takes that one piece, especially a, a D1 transfer like that, that can just put you over the top. So I, you feel awful for him, but I guarantee it, it happens more than what we know. So there's nobody feeling sorry for him, and he understands that. And yep. he's he just got to you know, and there's always got to be a plan B. So we spend as a coaching staff a lot of time planning. Uh, this is what we're going to do. This is what our lineup's going to look like. This is you know how, and it never ever goes as planned. And we, we have to understand that. We had two guys last year out of 28 games. We had two guys play all 28. So you know there's going to be injuries. You know there's going to be problems. There's going to be uh, all kinds of stuff that happens, uh, especially the college level. You know, you go to Taco Bell, and then all of a sudden you're suspended for a while. Who knows? Um, but there's, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, this is why you got to keep hoping every guy. So when you have those individual meetings, you sit down, you got 15 guys on your team. Um, you talk about, okay, here's our, our depth chart. Here's who we're going to, we see as our starting group. Here's how we see our second group. Here's our third group, but you got to keep those third group guys involved and engaged because you never know when all of a sudden they're going to, you're going to need them for some time. Um, in those second group, you know, 
they're always fighting trying to get into that first group. So uh, hope is a wonderful thing. You've got to keep it alive uh, no matter what your situation, especially early in the year. With, with an injury specifically, is it is it different if it's like the best player on your team versus one of those second or third team guys uh, in terms of like messaging? I know like maybe internally amongst the coaching staff, it's one thing, but I mean it in terms of like messaging to the team. Yeah, we've got an injury right now with one of our guys who we didn't project to be a starter. Uh, he's probably going to be a second or third guy. He broke up, broke a bone in his hand. Oh, and he's in a cast, and uh, he actually went back to the doctor yesterday. Got bad news. It's not healing as quickly as any of us wanted to. Um, but he's a freshman, and it's not a you know wouldn't be be a starter. So it's somebody we think that will you know help us down the road. And maybe this is not tragic. Maybe this is something that will help him just get a better perspective of how everything is run because he's he's sitting there watch, watching at practice. He's 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 running the score clock for us because we don't have a manager. So, but he's engaged and he's learning learning things from sitting, and sometimes that can be beneficial. Obviously, if it's a, a, a big part, if it's somebody like in this case, it could be your best player. Um, you have to understand this is life, and and Hubert talked about it in his podcast this week. You know, he he's teaching life through the through basketball, and that's what we do at Milligan as well. But you, you are always constantly in these uh, teachable moments. So here's a, a teachable moment for Coach Williams down there at Jackson State where maybe guys learn more about life and uh, they may not win the, you know, the, the conference championship that they thought they were going to, and they still might. I hope they just, they, they rally together and, and really play well together in spite of this, uh, this really you know, tough break for them. But it's about teaching kids about life. If we can teach them about life, then we've been successful, regardless of what our, our records are. How, how much, you, you talked about that rallying. How much of that uh, do you actually use as a coach of like, Hey, let's play for this guy. Let's circle the wagons. Let's let's do it for Coach Rob, you know, and you get his initials on your jersey and, and do that. Like, is that a, a motivational point that you legitimately would use? Yeah, I think win one for the Gipper kind of <laughs> it, it lasts a game, maybe two. It's yeah. not something that you can talk about every day. I think it's maybe something that if it's if it happens, especially late in the year, hey, let's go win this for him. You know, that can help, but it's not something that really has a long lasting, uh, you know, stability. It's got to be something that that uh, it's got to be more than that. Uh, we talked this week about motivation. What's the best kind of motivation? It's internal. You got to you got to you got to ride your own drive your own engine. You've got to be able to, you know, bring it from within. And if you're always looking for some kind of outsource or something else uh, to motivate you, whether it's mom and dad in the stands or or. You know, bulletin board material, or yeah, exactly. You've got to bring it from within, and that's really the most important thing. That's good. Now, coach, you uh, you made light of, and I think I did too a little bit ago, the uh, McKenzie and Baco situation uh, that happened this past weekend in Bloomington, Indiana. We talked about it on Monday's show, was giving him a hard time. Uh, I said, honestly, he should parlay this into an NIL deal, um, with Taco Bell. So uh, for those who maybe didn't catch it, McKenzie Mbako got arrested this weekend. A, uh, a five-star elite freshman that's playing for Indiana was initially uh, committed to Duke, decommitted when Kyle Filipowski came back, and now is in Bloomington. He got arrested. He's out on bond because, anyway, he just wouldn't leave the premises. They wouldn't serve him. It was a whole thing. But, Coach, when, when you've got a player that's, let's call it what it is, being a bonehead and just making dumb decisions, how is that like a different messaging? Like if, if he's going to be suspended or something like that, how is that different than and when an injury strikes and it's something that a player, it wasn't a self-inflicted thing like this would be? 
Yeah, this, there's different types of distractions. This one can be something that can really drag the team down if coaching staff will allow it. Uh, I would want more details. You know, I understand our guys go out at two o'clock in the morning to cook out and go get a tray, and and you know, I don't How can necessarily. You not, coach? How can you yeah. not? Exactly. But at two o'clock in the morning, I really don't want my guys out, and they know that. But that's just part of it. Um, it doesn't sound like he was really doing anything to. It wasn't evil. It just sounds dumb. And you know, <laughs> how do you how do you handle that? We all do dumb stuff. Um, do you suspend him for a game for two games? Do you make him do an apology? Do you? Maybe you do a team project at Taco Bell doing some landscape work around to do something just to be able to, to smooth it up and, and, and put some pictures on social media of you guys, you know, kind of bridging that gap. But, um, you know, he's a freshman, right? He, he, he's going to do stuff. And again, here's another opportunity to have a teachable moment. Um, but he, we talk about being in the fishbowl and our guys, even at a small college, basketball just looked at differently. And we've got to understand that guys, people are looking for us to be, even in a Christian college, they're looking for us to make mistakes. They're right. looking for us not to stand uh, at attention for the national anthem. They're looking for us not to do well in the classroom or, or for us to, to roll through that stop sign on, on, on campus and say, oh, one of your guys, you know, he ran, ran the stop sign. So our, we ask, we actually put in our handbook, guys, make sure you stop at the stop wow. sign. Wow. Make sure you do the little things. I don't like our guys wearing headphones to practice to uh, class because it, I don't want them to look like they're in their own little world and don't want to interact with people on campus. Those are little things. And if a kid does it, we don't punish them. We don't we don't suspend them. We just ask them not to do it anymore because we want them to. And, and, hey, you may be passing your future wife. You know, you may be passing the, the professor that wants to say hi to you. And maybe he can help you, you know, get that one assignment done when you're having to struggle with it. So um, there's little things that that can help. And obviously, this is a huge distraction for uh, for, for Indiana at this time and something you don't want to happen ever, but never right before the season starts. <laughs> Uh, well, I can attest to the meeting your future wife on that very campus. I met mine passing her by on the way to class, and I got myself a Texan. So, uh, Coach, may maybe this final scenario is more similar to, to an injury, but, I mean, Carolina knows this all too well right now because of the Tez Walker situation, which has thankfully uh, been uh, resolved, took longer than it should have. But, like, West Virginia recently experienced this with Raekwon Battle getting a waiver denial right before the beginning of the season. I mean, it's a player you're ex relying on and expecting. And then all of a sudden um, is, is taken out of your rotation now is capable of playing, you know, from a physical standpoint, but is disallowed from playing from an NCAA standpoint. Now, I obviously different for you being under the NIA NAIA, excuse me, than the NCAA, but if you, you know, had a player, who um, is denied eligibility for one reason or another, and it and it seems silly based on what the NCAA had previously been doing, and then all of a sudden they make this switch. How, what is that messaging? How do you how do you rally your team around that? Yeah, the timing of this is horrible, um, but the coaching staff had to know that this was a possibility. So in their minds, they have to be sitting there going, "Okay, this is Plan A. This is where we really think if everything goes." completely as planned, this is where we're going to be. But we've got to be ready for this to happen too uh, in case we don't get the waiver approved. We had a situation my second year here, third year, second year, we had a transfer from uh, from Florida. And he played played for Billy Donovan for three years. He was the best shooter on the team, but he just couldn't defend. He wasn't he wasn't an SEC, you know, athlete. Transfers to Milligan, leads the uh, NAI and made threes in a, per game for the year. We ended up winning the conference. Um, he used a, a year of eligibility um, he was lifting weights and had 
barbells in his hands on one of those balls, workout balls, and it broke. And he fell and broke both wrists. And this is workout with the team. Yeah. Well, he, his name is Hudson Fricky. He was a great player. Well, Billy Donovan got him back on the court for their NIT game in Madison Square Garden for 30 seconds at the end of the season. He rehabbed, worked his way back, and to give him that, you know, that great encouragement, he got to play 30 seconds. Well, he lost a whole year of eligibility for that. If he had, if he had taken the medical red shirt, and, but that 30 seconds in Madison Square Garden cost him. So we appealed it. And we said, here's our best player. Got a chance to get him back. And we, I think we tried three times, sent letters, and basically they finally said, please stop contacting us. We're not going to give them an extra year. And that, that devastated us. And, and we had you know, a full year to plan to get somebody else in his spot. So for this to happen right before the season, that's really hard for coaching staff to be able to handle. I like your your nuanced difference there, though, of realize that like with this, you know that there's a possibility like with an injury or a, a player being a doofus late at night. You know, that's the unexpected phone call that you get randomly. This is like, all right, we foresee this as a possibility. We hope it doesn't happen, but you can plan for it. And while especially, as you said, right before the season starts, it's like, come on, NCAA, man, that's just. Not especially in that West Virginia program right now. Like, yeesh. Um, but at least there is some level at which you can have contingency plans in place. Coach, that's great stuff. Thank you for helping walk through all those various scenarios and how you as a coaching staff help the players wrap their brains around that. Now, folks, you know we got to get to story time with Coach Rob. We're going to do that in just a second. Right after I tell you that this episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by FanDuel. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. You've been thinking about joining FanDuel? There's no better time to get in on the action than right now. The app is so easy to use, and you can bet on all sorts of different things like spreads, player props, over-unders, or how about this? FanDuel right now has the uh, National Player of the Year lines up for college basketball. Uh, Zach Eady is the favorite, obviously, plus 155. Hunter Dickinson, plus 750. Duke's Kyle Filipowski at plus 900. Uh, UConn's Donovan Klingon, if he can get over that foot injury, is at plus 1,700. And Armando Baycott. Plus 2,000. Go get you some Armando piece of that action. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Folks, uh, Coach Rob is in the process of writing a book of his two decades worth of working the Carolina summer basketball camp. All sorts of these great stories. And each week on the show, he shares a story of his experiences there with us. And so, Coach Excited to hear what you got for us today. Well, I want to talk a little bit more about Porky Spencer and uh, his relationship with Coach Roy Williams. Uh, this fall will be 50 years that they've known each other. And Porky was playing high school football and his assistant football coach, Roy Williams, which is hard to say that, you know, thinking about <laughs> Coach Williams as a football coach, uh, came in the locker room one day and, and Coach Williams looked at Porky and says, you know what, I'm really in the mood for some black heart cherry ice cream. And Porky said, now, Coach, you won't believe this, but my aunt's got a black heart cherry tree in her yard. Coach disappears, comes back with a bucket. Porky has no idea where the bucket came from. He says, here, go put this, you know, fill this up with about, you know, halfway full with black heart cherries. I'll give him the wand. Wanda will take the pits and stems out and we'll make some ice cream. So that's what Porky did. They went to the house and 
they Wanda made the best ice cream and they had a, a little porch swing and coach Williams sat on one end and Wanda sat on the other and Porky sat in the middle. And he said, they sat there with a bucket and three spoons and just ate this black heart ice cream and didn't talk for 15 minutes. Didn't say a word. The three of them just sitting there eating ice cream. And finally coach Williams looks at Porky and says, you know what? It doesn't get any better than this. Mm. And he believed that. Here they are in this little porch swing, and you know he's high school coach making no money, um, but he really believed that life that's as good as life can be. And I think if Coach Williams looked back, even with all the wins and the national championships and all the the money that he's made, still that was a wonderful time of life uh, that they had together. Um, they had a snow day when Porky was in high school, and uh, what do you do during a snow day? You sleep in. You're like glad, you know, you don't you don't have to get out of bed. The phone rings and it's Coach Williams. He said, get over here. What are you doing? He said, I'm in bed. He says, well, get out of bed. Put some clothes on. He said, Coach, it's snowing sideways outside. He says, well, you can walk to my house. Just get over here. And Coach and Wanda were living on the top of a two-car garage. So you can imagine how small that little apartment was. Porky put on his clothes and Coach says, we're making steaks. I know how you like steaks. Come on over here. I'm making steaks. So he walked over there and came in the door. And when he came in the door, Coach Williams has a blanket wrapped around him sitting there flipping steaks on the stove. And he calls him over and says, do you like them like this? You know, a little bit more. How do you, how do you like your steaks cooked? And, oh, that, that looks good, coach. And sat down and they start eating steaks, just the two of them at the kitchen table. Wanda walks in the room and looks at Porky and says, Porky, I've married a crazy man. <laughs> and I don't think she realized how crazy he was that day. But um, those are the type of stories that, that really bonded Porky and Coach Williams. And um, he's family. That's his son. And uh, you ask him, he's, he is part of the family. And when things got bad towards the end of the year, and Coach Williams didn't want to talk to anybody. He still wanted to talk to Porky. Mm -hmm. um, that's just the, the cool relationship. We're going to have a whole chapter on just the two of those guys. Um, so pretty, pretty neat stories. They, Porky always gets asked, did you know? Did you know then that Coach, that Coach Williams was going to be the Coach Williams that's the Hall of Fame coach, national champs, that all that stuff? And Porky will tell you, we knew. We knew that there was something different from day one when he walked in the gym, that uh, this guy was just different. And uh, he, he proved that he definitely is very different. So those are my two cool stories for today about Coach Williams. I love it. Roy Williams, the, the snow steak flipper. You love to hear it. But I, I, and, and with that first story, it's like it just speaks to those are the people that you want to have success. It's like that mm -hmm. doesn't affect everything you talked about with all the accolades doesn't affect who Roy Williams is Roy Williams at his heart just wants to be that dude sitting on a porch swing, eating good ice cream. And uh, yeah. I hope that's a good reminder to all of us, coach Rob, that wherever it is that life takes us, the ups and the downs, find the pleasures of life that are in front of you and lean into those uh, for you. And I, that is our faith in Jesus Christ for some other people. It could be all sorts of various things, but find what that is and never deviate from that. That's a great story, both of them, Coach. Thank you so much, as always, for sharing them. Friends, that's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Again, as a reminder for Coach Rob, for the Tar Heels, for everybody, college basketball season is on us. It's coming, and it's going to be a lot of fun, as always. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. You can follow Coach at Coach Rob buffs stay dialed in with them throughout the basketball season cheer on those buffaloes it'll be great you can follow me at isaac shade you can email the show locked on tarheels at gmail.com don't forget to come join our discord community we're having great conversations 
throughout the day. You can find the link to that in the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe, smash the like button, and we'd love to hear your comments on all the conversations we had today. Want to remind you that it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. We'll be right back with you tomorrow to get you ready for Carolina's exhibition game tomorrow night and for the football game at Georgia Tech on Saturday. But until then, peace. Peace.